Alright, here we go. Take one. <laughs> because people see right through us. They see right through the fancy clothes. They see through all your highlighted Bible uh, verses. But what they need to see today is that you're a real person dealing with real emotion, dealing with real problems that is searching for a real God today because we all need hope. Perfect people scare me. (laughs) I can't relate to you. Faith is something that we all struggle with, whether it be faith in your child, your boss, or or even faith that we will live until tomorrow. You know, faith is believing in something that we do not truly understand, you know, such as motives, agendas, or anything that we can't judge through our senses. What we see can even be altered, requiring a certain amount of faith to believe that it's real faith in my judgment or even my feelings, since they really are not always accurate. You know, I question many things, which has helped me in a lot of different occasions, but probably has also harmed me at times. I think outside the box, which has allowed my creativity to offer new possibilities and has opened the door in me helping people at times. I'm a skeptic by nature. But I have to be careful in judging things without allowing other possibilities. So let me explain real quick. If I look into something, whether it be a person, a place, a situation, or a problem with a skeptical mind, and I'm only looking for the problems in it and not being open to any strengths, then my mind is already made up for it to fail. You know, for a lot of years of my life, I worked hard to find everything I could to prove the non-existence of God. Now, with that mindset, and I see this with many atheists who attempt to do this, already have their mind set since they aren't even leaving the door cracked for the existence of God. Now, stay tuned as I have a very special guest who who I believe has fallen into that same trap, but eventually opened his mind to the possibilities that he could have been wrong. I'll return in just a moment. Stay tuned. My name's Eric McCoy, and let's get high. Today's episode is going to be a little unique because I'm going to begin this by speaking briefly about a topic that I don't normally discuss in detail, something that's a little personal to me, and this is because of my guest today. Now, before everybody runs, as I mentioned the word God, open your minds and just listen to the message as And honestly, one thing that we can't dispute, if you believe in it or not, that the Bible is probably by far the most inspirational book ever written. Mm. Now, I've read the entire Bible a couple of times, and I actually really studied it, mostly because I had a lot of time on my hands while sitting in custody. 
And I actually honestly even considered at one point to become a pastor because of what I saw within that book was my story that was being told. You know, whether you like it or not, many of the principles and tools that guide us in recovery are within that. And the first being humility. You know, humility is what will save us in this world. It says in the Bible, Jesus Christ came for the sinners and not the righteous. Humility, and it's a story of strength. You know, certain things sort of stuck out to me uh, within the Bible. And one was actually 1 Corinthians. And it said, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And then it kind of continues on and it says, when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. You know, methamphetamine was my drug of choice. And I actually gave it a name that is a biblical name, even before I believed in the message of that ancient book, the devil. <laughs> and it was a temptation, but at the same time is a temptation that is common to all mankind, especially today. That temptation, even though it felt that there was power that was greater than I could bear, but I had a way out. Now, I also can't dispute that for the first time in my life, when I found a way out was when I made a statement and then I asked a question with the help of a priest that was in jail. God, I don't believe in you, but if you are there, help me find you. You know, I believe that my atheistic view in life probably stemmed from my lack of interest in believing a power that was going to condemn me to an eternity of something ugly <laughs> because of my dependency on drugs, which I felt I had no way out. You know, as I read that book, it dawned on me that every character from Adam and Eve in the Old Testament with the first sin to Paul in the New Testament had probably asked that same question that we all ask at times. Where is this loving God that's supposed to care for me? How am I supposed to live this godly life? And there is no way that I'm going to walk through those pearly gates with the things that I've done, or even the thoughts that run through my mind at times. You know, if anybody's curious on what the Bible says about that, maybe you should read it. Why do bad things happen to good people? And there are answers within that text. You know, the book I wrote, Pain, Failure, and Misery are the Stepping Stones to Success, even though I didn't create this book based on this quote, but Psalms 119 verse 71 says, it was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. Mm -hmm. I also want to mention something really quick for all the Christians out there who believe that it is the devil that causes bad things to happen. But Isaiah 45, 7 says, form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create calamity. I am the Lord who does all things. But I thought about that. And honestly, the greatest advocates out there fighting for the good of mankind had to suffer to spread their message of love. The faith of Christianity is not a story that was written of hopes and dreams with the mindset for a lot of people of wanting to live forever. This fear of death, that eternity is a place of nothingness, because I would have created a very different story. I realized that after really studying it, that this is a story that requires strength, courage, and probably a much tougher life compared to the atheistic view. 
you know, a story of Paul, who in our definition today was a serial killer of Christians that eventually changed his mind. And then he suffered for a lot of years because of his faith. So I guess, honestly, I'm probably stating that these are people stronger than those who don't believe in God. I also came to realize that everybody has doubts at times. And as I mentioned in the podcast before with Joe Potosi, that faith is just not giving up. My guest today, Anthony Torres, has, I think, a lot of similarities to me and probably a lot of our listeners out there. He battled with drug addiction. He suffered those same questions, I believe, of our existence and probably and walked away with a lot of scars. And then he became a man of faith. He's an author of a new book, Letters to My People, Thoughts of a Recovering Addict. And he is also the lead pastor of Mountain View Church in New Mexico, which is why I sort of introduced this this way. <laughs> Anthony, I want to thank you for joining me today. Hey, thank you for having me on. Absolutely. You know, I obviously want to talk about your book, but I also have some questions about faith as well, if you're up to it. Sure, sure. Yeah. And as I like to end our podcast with the powerful message of hope, I'd like to actually begin with your stories of struggles in your life. And so tell me a little bit about what you went through, um, you know, through your issues. Well, I'm, I'm very glad that you opened up the podcast like that, you know, and, you know, saying the things that you said, I, I wrote some notes here, actually, you actually give me a sermon already here in a couple of weeks, <laughs> just some of the things you were saying, but you said the Bible is inspirational. I, I really love that because I wrote here in my, in my notes also, and it's also changing. It can also change us. Um, I mean, my, my, my story is very long, so I want to kind of really get this in the next three to five minutes, but I grew up in a Catholic home. Um, and so I was an altar boy for three years, made my first Holy communion, uh, all that stuff that you do in the Catholic church. And I would say probably in my teenage years is when I started to shy away from the faith. Um, you know, my grandma and grandpa were killed by a drunk driver. Um, my, um, parents went through a very, um, ugly divorce. And so I'm originally from Oklahoma, but we actually moved to New Mexico once my parents got that divorce. But I remember being in the Catholic church and I always heard them say, well, just pray, just pray, just pray. But I never really understood what that meant. And then when my prayer did get answered, I assumed that maybe that God just didn't want to hear my prayer. And so I shied away from the Catholic faith. I don't want to say that I was an atheist. I was kind of leaning more towards an agnostic. Like I had my own thoughts about God and kind of what you said, you know, why do bad things happen, you know, to good people? And so um, that's kind of where my faith was at at that point. Obviously, experimenting with drugs and alcohol just didn't make things any, any, any better. And I love how you said, um, you know, a lot of the bad things that happen, we, you know, tend to blame it on the devil. I think somewhere as Christians, we got to get away from that. Now we know what, what, who the devil is and what he's known for, but he doesn't control us. I mean, it, those seeds can be planted and we're the ones that open those doors, you know? And so, you know, I lived my whole life blaming people and blaming God for why I was in the position that I was in. 
if that makes any sense. Well, you know, I'm, I'm this way because if my parents wouldn't have divorced, then maybe I would have a father and a mother. Well, you know, I'm this way because my grandma and grandpa are not here. Well, you know, I'm this way and I'm this way because of this and that. And I spent my whole life like that, blaming other people and blaming other things instead of in the end, looking at my own self. So um, long story short, you know, I, I had gotten out of rehab uh, in 2009 of August, was only there for about 11 days, ended up going um, back home to Oklahoma to where, uh, again, I have all my family's at. I know that night that I had planned suicide and I've been depressed, suicidal, uh, the things that life brings that just throws at you. I was dealing with so much. And that night I was going to kill myself, but I ended up drinking myself uh, to black out, woke up the next morning. My dad said, do you want to go to church? I said, no way. I don't like Christians. I don't like church. I don't even know if I like God. You know, I just, this is not for me, but uh, i tell you what, God had my number that morning. And uh, he spoke to me through a pastor that I just can't explain. It was a spiritual experience. It wasn't a an apostle Paul type experience, but it was really an experience with God. Not everything went away. I mean, I still relapsed for four months, church, relapse, church, relapse. But um, there was in that time that I said, you know what? I'm in this mess because of me, because the doors that I opened, the decisions that I made has nothing to do with my parents, has not even nothing to do with God knowing that my grandma and grandpa died, not because of God, because of somebody else's sin. The guy chose to get behind the wheel and drink and drive. God didn't make that happen. That was that guy's choice. So my grandparents were the consequences of somebody else's sin. So, you know, here we are now, you know, what, 11 years, clean and sober and pastoring a church. And what, I mean, who would have thought that I'd be pastoring a church? I mean, like, seriously, like where I've come from. So, God said to, he spoke to my heart to write a book, to get my story out there. And it was, and, and here's the thing, it was 10 years in the writing. I mean, I've been writing that book for a long, long time. Um, I didn't want to write it to be preachy. I didn't. If anybody knows me, that's not my personality, just to preach to you. Because listen, when I was without God, I didn't want people preaching to me. You know, how many times would I tell people, you know, take your God somewhere else? You know, I'm still, a, I'm still a mess. We're all a mess somewhere, right? Somewhere we're all a mess. So, you know, letters to my people. It's it's a book about my journey. Um, it's not preachy. As a matter of fact, I start the book off like that. How you kind of started the podcast off, like, listen, this is just my faith, and 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 yes, you know, I'm a believer in Jesus, and I even put in the book, you know, don't close the book. For some reason, when people hear Jesus, people are like, oh, just another religious book, but it's not like that at all. I do share where I have come from, and basically, it's an autobiography, but how everybody and everything was affected by me, by my addiction. And so I think when people pick it up, they think that I talk about, you know, the the club days, the 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 days that I was, you know, was working at my job, just things like that. But it's more of internally how I dealt with things and how everybody um, around me was affected by it. You know, it's interesting. I and I literally did. I thought about becoming a pastor at some point in time because, you know, I. You know, I work in the substance abuse field. Um, it's frustrating, obviously, at times. And 
I, I started to think that, you know what, if I do this, I am such a hypocrite. That's sort of the way I felt, you know, it was like, it's like, you know, me standing up there and preaching, whatever you live a certain life and you do certain things. And I did a lot of bad things, you know, that are kind of described in, in the book I wrote, um, you know, commit residential burglaries. I mean, lots of bad things that I did, uh, stole lots of money from lots of people. Um, and, and that's kind of what I felt. It was like, how am I going to get up here and like, <laughs> you know, preach this God and that kind of stuff, you know, when I lived this life, did, did you feel that way at all? You know what? No, I didn't because I, I knew that my sins and everything that I have done was forgiven. Um, I understood that what came with being a pastor, that my life was going to be under the microscope. And so I don't want to say I negotiated with God because even though people in the Bible didn't negotiate with God sometimes, but you know, I mean, it was a calling that was so heavy on my life that I ran from it for a good seven, eight months. I'm like, God, Donald, I don't want to do this. Like you pick somebody else to do it. Somebody that grew up in the church, like not me. And it was almost like God, I would, every time I would say that God would open a door for me to speak somewhere. And so, and I embraced the calling, started going to a seminar. And then next thing I was an associate pastor in Dallas, Texas, moved out here to New Mexico, took my first lead uh, pastor position. But I told God, I said, listen, I'll do whatever you want me to do, but I never want to forget where I've come from. And I'm always going to be transparent with the people. I mean, my church will tell you today, I'm very transparent. Listen, if I've had a bad day, I've had a bad day. That's just all there is to it. And I'm not afraid to get up there in that pulpit and say, hey, you know what? I need you to pray for me because I had a very hard week. You know, I've also admitted that I suffer from mild depression. My church knows about that, you know, and I don't know if that's a thorn in my side that Paul had. I, I just don't know. I mean, I've studied depression and I've lived depression. It's not how it used to be, but that's shun in the church. I mean, you even having a pastor admit depression. I'm like, Oh, well, I just guess you're not as holy uh, as you say you are. Well, no, I'm not holy, but he's holy. Right. And so, I mean, I, I, I always want to make sure that whatever, However, I am down from the pulpit that that's also what they see on the pulpit. You know, I'm mirroring both, you know, and just being transparent. And again, I think if you were to speak to anybody in, in our church, you know, they would say, yeah, pastor and Sasha, which is my wife, Sasha, you know, they are very transparent. They're people just like us. They're people just like us that need God, that need faith and, and need to grow every day in their faith. So yeah. It's like I said with, you know, in the beginning, you know, that he came for the sinners, not the righteous, you know, which I think fits right in there. You know, I, what, you know, I, I look at, you know, especially today, uh, a lot of Christians out there that have this righteousness, you know, lots of judgment, you know, judging everybody. And uh, what are your thoughts on that? Do you see a lot of that? Oh, yeah, I see a lot of that even within our church. I think it's everywhere you go. Um, we're trying to do our best to create a different culture uh, here uh, in the city. And maybe that's why God called me to this position, because I understand I, I, I came from that, you know. And so there's um, uh, there's one church in town, you know, that I don't want to say they mock me or mock the church, but they call us the loving church. Well, if you need more love, 
than go to that church because we are a church that we accept everybody here. I don't care if they're blue, black, where they come from and their background. Like we want them here because see, here's the thing that I understand. I can't change nobody. You can't change nobody. But God, he can change anybody he wants to. Yeah, the Bible is very inspirational, but I think it's very ch it's changing as well. It can change anybody if they're willing, I guess you can say, you know, but yeah. Got to have that open mind. You know? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I, I see it all the time in the church. I mean, people, people in the church even judge me. But I mean, it is what it is, you know, that, that was like that in the Bible days. It's like that here now. But all we can do is be our best to um, represent Christ the best way that we can. Something I, I really struggle with a lot was, you know, I, I um, talked to a lot of pastors, you know, this was back even during my drug days, you know, lots of pastors. I, I went through the 12-step program for the first time when I was 16 years old. So I knew about all the spiritual aspects, you know, the, yeah. the God, you know, and, and those things. And, and, uh, and I always had this thought, I was like, why can all of these people, and I always felt like this blind faith, why can't I have it? You know, and then I got, you know, and then you kind of hear within the Bible that where does faith come from? Faith comes from God. Well, why isn't God right. giving it to me? Right. And right. that's the way I felt, you know? Right. Let me ask you yeah. a question. Um, you know, for a lot of people, and I've had, I've had responses from, you know, different people, especially on Facebook and stuff that the only way to do this is through God. Okay, the only way for re to to get sober is through God. Okay, now we can sit here and say, okay, that's true, but what do you say to those people that don't believe in God? I mean, it's one thing to say, okay, you got to have God in your life, and if they don't have it, how do you how do you get those people to maybe look at that? This is kind of the question that I've been asking for a long time. You know, is how do you reach those people? If you want to say God is the way, this is how you're going to get it. But then this person doesn't believe in God. What does that look like? Well, I think with the life of addictions, um, there's a lot of things that come with it. Um, we're not talking months of internally damaging ourselves physically and spiritually, but it affects everybody around us. Um when we become clean and sober, there's now a time in our life that we need to be, we need to start healing in our lives, forgiving ourselves, number one, you know, maybe asking for forgiveness from others, a lot of damage inside of us spiritually that maybe doors that we've opened, things that we saw. Um, and so there's a lot of healing aspect when it comes to um, getting sober and clean. My favorite saying is, is that if we don't heal properly, Christian or non-Christian, we're going to bleed on everybody that loves us. There's a proper way of healing from life. We're really good at masking it with a lot of things in the world. You know, those that are in addiction understand that. But I always like to tell people is that if you don't believe in God, that's fine. But you need to, there's some healing in your life that needs to take place. And I believe that God is the only one that can heal those areas in our life. I mean, I'm, I listen, I'm 11 years clean and sober, but I'm still healing today from things that in 2008, 2009. It's, it's a process. It's not, it's not going to happen overnight. 
you know, I look at my children now, my daughter, which I talk about it in my book, she suffers from PTSD. If, if me and my, uh, me and my wife have a disagreement, you know, she's like, okay, now I'll tell you guys, you love each other because her fear is that I'm going to leave and walk out the door and never come back because that's all she saw when she was growing up, you know? So she has that PTSD. And I talk about that in my book. I can't remember what letter, but it's called PTSD child, PTSD child. And so, um, there's a lot of healing that needs to take place. The Bible is full of not just healing physically, but healing spiritually. You know, I think about Paul, I think about how many people he killed, how many Christians he killed. And, but yeah, he needed some healing in his life. We all need healing. And listen, you can go shopping. They ain't going to heal you. <laughs> you know, you, you can, you can try to do your best to read so many books on healing. It's not going to heal you. I believe that, God is the only one that can heal us. I'm talking about internally, you know, and physically, but you know, that's his will, but you know, spiritually inside, because let me tell you what, when you go through a life of addiction, you're broken, man. I mean, you're just broken, you're shattered. And there's some things that, that need to be healed. And I'm glad that you said that because we actually right now are trying to get a, um, a recovery center going here in Alamo Gordo. There's really nothing for nobody. There's no detox. There's no good recovery center. And it, even though it's going to be faith-based, you know, it's open to everybody. I mean, we're not saying you have to be a Christian to come into this program. We want it to be for, for everybody. So, but that's what I would say. There is a healing aspect that comes with um, getting sober and clean. I thought for a long time that my heart was hardened that's kind of the way I'd felt for a long time was like, it is finding this thing is it's not going to happen, you know? Um, but it did, I did sort of had some, you know, miraculous things, you know, when I was in custody. And I, I think that really probably, and it wasn't, you know, again, like, so like you were saying, like this bright light and, you know, <laughs> you know, but it was more of after I made that prayer for the first time in my life, I had interest mm. in studying it. And I think that was probably the greatest, you know, thing that first took place was just all of a sudden I was interested. And um, I like what you said also that, you know, you are, you know, you're a church that welcomes everybody, you know? And I mean, we have, you know, there's a lot of places out there that don't, don't accept everybody. Gays, lesbians, and those people that are usually damned by the church. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, everybody's welcome here. You know, I, you know, I, matter of fact, I, I baptized a lesbian uh, about a couple of years ago, you know, because my job as a pastor is not to judge you. My job as a pastor is to help you get closer to God. That's it. I have no authority to judge you. And then people that are Christians will say, well, Paul talked about that we were to judge in the church. Do I make, uh, do I make corrections that need to be corrected yeah absolutely but it's not my place to play god it's not my place to say well you have three years to be this way or we're gonna remove you from the church no i mean it, it, the thing is is that again my job is to help people to get closer to god gay lesbians transgender it's it's that's that's my job is to help them to get closer uh, to god you know and so i just I've seen too many um, 
things happen in church where, you know, people get, they, they, they shun them from the church. And I'm like, first of all, you need, we need to be happy that they're coming to church. We need to be happy that they're sitting in a chair to hear the word of God. Why would we shun them away? And again, as a pastor, I've gotten a lot of flack um, from people within the community because of that, you know, church leaders, you know, and, but, but Hey, it, it is what it is. I mean, we're on a different mission here at Mountain View Church in reaching the lost. Our our saying is reach one, not reach one when we feel like it, not reach one if they look like us. No, we're talking about reach one. So yeah, we do, like I said, when we say we're a church for everybody, we're a church for everybody. And here's the thing, um, when we have lesbians and gays that come to the church, I have conversations with them. I said, listen, this is where I stand as a pastor. This is what the word says, but it doesn't change my love for you. And they understand that, you know, I can still hold tight to my convictions, you know, but I can also still let loose of my compassion, you know, be compassionate and love them just right where they're at, you know? So yeah, we do, we do, uh, we do let uh, gays and lesbians be a part of the fellowship here at Mount View Church. Now, again, you know, they, they can't teach or, you know, anything like that, but, but they're welcome to help greet and, and stuff like that here at the church. So, but yeah, we do have a place. Yeah. Jesus said, thou shalt not judge and that you will be judged the same way that you judge here. And I always kind of, I remember reading that. And I was like, it's pretty black and white to me. <laughs> pretty black and white, right? <laughs> think, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so no, I'm really, you know, I, I think this is powerful and I'm really glad that you came on here because um, I think this is such a powerful message, you know, that you can live that life, you know, and, you know, go through the drug dependency or the drug issues and the things that you went through and you are able to step up and out of it and you are able to do good things. I mean, this is where, you know, I, I talk about this all the time and that, you know, I was, I was dragged through the depths of hell with my addiction. And, you know, at some point in time, I was able to stand up and with my head held high and, uh, and, and I am working to do good things, whether I'm doing it or not, but that's what I'm trying to do is to do good things and, and to at least send a message of hope out there, you know, and, um, and to, and I know you understand this high wall clean. I know you get it. You know, yeah. I guarantee you get up there and you're teaching and preaching and you're getting high doing it. Yeah. Well, it's a different kind of rush. You know, it's uh it's a different kind of, uh, it's a spiritual, you know, um, high, I guess you can say, you know, it's uh, it, it fuels me every day and why I do what, what I do again. I never thought that I'd be pastor in a church. I mean, come on. I mean, but, you know, here's the thing. I've heard a lot of testimonies from people. We had this one guy that was coming to the church years ago, and he said, you know what? This was my last church. He said, I'm not going to lie. I've been to church after church. And he thought they shunned me. I mean, he had a tattoo on his neck, you know, full of tattoos on his eyelid. And he says, and I looked at you, and I was like, you're the pastor of the church? He said, not in a bad way. He said, but I looked at you all full of tattoos. I'm like, if your church can love you, they can love me. That's what he said. Where do these churches stand with that though? I mean, people want to come in and then they just kick them out. I don't, or, or how does that really work? I don't, I don't really quite understand that. Um, they try to justify it with scripture, you know, um, 
Paul talks about, you know, not to be in association with any sinners. Uh, you know, there's the, again, Christians are notorious. Come on. They're notorious for picking and choosing scriptures that they want to hold tight to and then use it to bash other people. I've seen it, you know, but, you know, here's the thing is I know that I'm on an assignment from God. That's the bottom line. I should have been dead a long time ago, dead, but God, you know, revealed himself to me because I mean, you talk about a dark and hardened heart. I had one. I mean, I don't know how many times my, my wife, she wasn't my wife then, but she would try to share some scripture with me. I'm like, no, 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 no. I don't want to hear anything about God. You know, how many times a Christian would bump into me and go, do you know Jesus? And I'm like, you need to leave me alone. <laughs> you know, but, but I, my, my heart was hardened, but you know, here I am having the second chance in life. And what am I going to do with it? I'm on assignment. I'm on a different assignment, you know, than I don't want to say any other church, but we're just, I just believe we're different in reaching people, you know? And so um, we're a very outreach driven church. We do a lot of street ministry, always on the streets, feeding people, clothing people. Uh, I say it every Sunday. I don't want to be a church that takes. I want to be a church that gives, it gives back to the community, you know? And so we're, we're very, very heavy uh, outreach driven uh, in this city. So, but that's what I'm doing with my second chance in life. That's fantastic, man. It's sad. I, you know, it's really, it, to me, it's really been sad lately, you know, with my brother, for instance, you know, had, I remember him saying, my younger brother, he was saying, you know, with everything, you know, with all the evangelical Christians, you know, just, I don't know, you know, just doing crazy things. Um, you know, he kind of got to this place where he's like, I can't even believe it anymore. I can't believe in it anymore, you know? And, but I thought, you know, I've always, and something I've always told people is, you know, people say, why, why do bad things happen? Why do horrible things happen? You know, is that God doing those? Or these are people that are making choices, you know, to do things. You know, we always say, I mean, we have free will. We have the ability to make choices. You know, people can take guns and they can go in and they can shoot people at free will. I mean, I don't know what people are expecting, like some big lightning is supposed to come out of the sky, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, knock the person down. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, there's, as far as I, I mean, there's been kind of a lot of sad things that have been, ha been happening, you know. I just hold on to what Paul said. Our citizenship's not in, not our citizenship is in heaven. You know, you're going to take this journey one day. I'm going to take this journey one day. We don't know when we're going to take this journey to go to heaven. But that's what Paul says. Your citizenship is in heaven, you know? And so I prayed, you know, over many people that are about to pass away. You know, a lot of things that I see, sometimes I don't even understand. But what I don't understand doesn't make me um, look at God any different. Because what I do understand, what I do understand keeps me going. That's his love, grace, mercy, forgiveness that he has for me today. Knowing that without him, I'm nothing. Knowing without him, I'm that guy again. You know what I mean? So, I mean, for any pastor to say, well, you know, to give you a solid answer on something can be really hard because even pastors don't know it all. We don't know it all, but God knows it all. So it's, we just got to trust him. And it's hard. Suffering's hard, isn't it? Absolutely. It's so hard suffering. You know, when you see somebody you love, just suffer. You know, but don't forget Jesus suffered too. And that's one of the things we have to think about. Jesus suffered too. 
you know, so a lot worse than uh, a lot worse than we will. Yeah, you know, if you ever do some studying and how he suffered, they say that no man would be able to withstand what he went through. They they think that the theologians think that there was a point in time in his body that it just went numb. He couldn't feel anymore. He had given all his pain. That's that's powerful. You know. What are, what are your typical uh, sermons like? What do you typically pre- preach? Well, not preach. We'll say. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a weekend to weekend type guy. You know what I mean by that is, uh, you know, a lot of pastors. There's nothing wrong with this, but a lot of pastors, you know, they have their whole sermons planned out for the year. And not to get nothing wrong with that, but you know, I'm a weekend to weekend type guy. I'm like, Lord, what? What do you want this weekend for your people? What do you want them to learn? Um, uh, you know, I just, this past, you know, Sunday, I just talked about serving, you know, what does it mean to have a servant's heart? God's been really dealing with my heart all week about teaching his people to pray something so simple, but yet we don't do it. And, uh, but, um, it's, I'm a weekend to weekend type guy. It's what's, what's, whatever I'm feeling the needs are in the church, what people are going through right now. It's the balance of, uh, of, of many things, you know, by the way, if you want to go catch a sermon, you just go to mbcalamo.com. Sermons are there. Uh, follow me on Anthony Torres. Um, I have little snippets of sermons that I do on Facebook. Uh, but um, many people describe me as a, um, like an evangelist type preacher, I guess you can say, you know? And so, I mean, if that's the way people see me, that's what they see. I mean, it's not a bad thing. I mean, but you know, like I've met pastors, man, that they're just, they get up there and they're just so smart. You know what I mean? I'm like, wow, that's so, they're so smart, you know? And I don't consider myself a smart guy. I just consider my, uh, me a person that's obedient to God and uh, just whatever he wants me to do, I do. So I don't know. I guess it's a hard question to ask. I guess you'd have to go listen to the sermons, I guess you can say. Yeah. I, I remember you know, again, when I was sort of really studying the Bible, you know, and I was, I really kind of came across some different stuff. I had actually put together this presentation that I was actually going to do at a church um, on substance abuse. And, and part of the big question is, you know, like, how do we reach the unreachable? Mm. And, you know, it's something that I've, I've always really tried to figure out ways that we can do this, you know, and, um, and so I put this presentation together, then COVID came along. So I never actually was able to do it uh, because nobody wanted to go to church. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, you know, some of the stuff that I really thought about, and I, re- and I remember this, so, you know, with, um, you know, one of them being, um, you know, Philippians, right? I remember it's like, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever mm. is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is meditate on, right? If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things, right? And some of the stuff that I teach in in treatment and stuff, you know, I don't obviously teach the Bible or anything like that, but some of the messages, you know, like Paul does not tell them what to think, but instead for them to think for themselves. Yeah. Think about such things, you know, and I think the real power that we gain is once we can think for ourselves, not through the minds of others. You know, yeah. and I think this is where it really means something, you know, as a pastor, you know, I, you know, I can kind of just imagine, you know, that, you, that, you know, you, you know, you are an inspiring person, 
you know, that you probably work to build people up. Mm. That's kind of the way I haven't seen any of yours, but that's kind of the vibe that I would get from you. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Um, Yeah. And, uh, but it is, you know, the, the Bible definitely has a lot to do with, you know, the, you know, verses in there that have to do with truth and trust, you know, um, you know, any lie or a misperception of a lie will disconnect the ability for people to work with them, you know, and I kind of almost imagine that you being that very honest individual, just like you were saying, and I appreciate, you know, I'm depressed, you know, and for you to acknowledge those things, that's admirable. Especially yeah, well, a pastor. I, I tell people all the time, what you see is what you get. <laughs> I'm not here to put on the show for anybody. Uh, I'm just here to, to live my life the best way that I can with my family, sober and clean. Um, now uh, on this assignment that he has for me. Because uh, one of these days, I'm I'm not going to be here anymore, oh, you know, and whenever God sees it that it's my time to go home, I go home. But I want to know that I at least try to make some kind of impact somewhere, not just with my family, but where where he has me at, I guess you can say. Yeah, and I think from a, you know, like a biblical standpoint, too, like empathy, you know, empathy is, you know, I think the foundation to building rapport. And honestly, the only way that you can really reach someone. And I think that's another thing that I really get a vibe from you, you know, is that you have that empathy, you know, that desire to understand people. And I think that's powerful, you know, for you to open up your doors to anybody, you know, and, uh, and that's, I really appreciate because I always had that image in my life that, you know, yeah, pastors are perfect. Hmm. <laughs> you don't have flaws. one thing i always like to ask everybody um that i think is a really important question is if you were to reach out and to speak to those out there suffering that are struggling what would you tell them hold on hold on just hold on (laughs) you know i've dealt with uh you know Long time ago, you know, those suicidal thoughts and struggling and well, this is this life has to offer, then I don't want it. But they just have to hold on. They have to believe that there's something bigger than them. They have to believe. Well, and as as drug abusers and drug dependency, they do at some point in time feel that there is something more powerful than them, which becomes that drug. <laughs> so they got to understand that in that context. And uh, and obviously, hopefully, yeah, when they get, get when they get away from that, that they're able to find something, you know, and. I mean, and I, you know, like to, like I said, I had messages of people, you know, that were like, oh, God's the only way God, you know, kind of thing. And, but the truth being is that, and I think I kind of see this within you a little bit is that all you can do is open the door and, you know, for me to, even if I have that strong belief that God is the only way that you're going to do this, right. You'll never find any other way. It has to be God. Well, the last thing that I want to do is to force God down somebody's throat when they're at a place to where they're not going to accept it because that's going to push them away even further. Yeah. 
I mean, how many times did people always tell me that that God was the only way, that the only way I was going to, you know, get rid of this, all the things I was dealing with, with God, 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 God. But my heart was so hardened. God himself can be knocking on my forehead and I wouldn't even know it. You know, it, it, I had to come to the end of myself physically and spiritually and mentally. I mean, it was it was a day that 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 the pastor looked at me. He said, what can I pray with you about? I said, I don't know. He said, have you accepted Jesus into your life? I said, am I supposed to? You know, I don't know this stuff. And he said, close your eyes. So I closed my eyes. He said, I want you to, to say this prayer with me. And for once in my life, my lips confessed that Jesus was Lord and my heart was open. And it was like a flood of emotions. And I mean, spiritually, I, you can just feel it. God was like, I'm here. Stop running from me. I forgive you for everything that you've done. And there I am weeping like a baby. Like, is this, is this real? Like what's happening to me? So, you know, I'm, again, I'm not the preachy type. Christians and even churches have got a bad rap over the years. I just want to help people. I just want to reach people. You know, I, I share my faith with people. People listen, they listen. If they don't, they don't, you know, but even sometimes I have people that are from the streets that are, don't even go to church, don't even believe in God but they want to hear what I have to say. And I say, you know, I'm a pastor, right? Like, you know, I'm a Christian, right? Like I'm going to share what I've been through. And they're like, that's fine. They just want to hear, <laughs> you know, and maybe something will, will ignite in their heart, you know? And so, but uh, the, the Christians are notorious. They're very notorious for wanting to shove Jesus down people's throats. And I mean, if you ever study the the, the teachings in the life of Jesus, you know, he went and he he spoke wherever he can speak and some cities he wasn't wanted in and, and some cities, you know, he was pushed out of and would throw stones at him. But whoever would listen, you know, would, would listen. And this is what I always tell people. I don't know how much time we have left, but you really want to get somebody curious about your relationship with God. Be the example. Just be the example. What, what, what did Gandhi say? I'm probably going to butcher the quote, but he said, your Christians, your your Christ, I like, but not your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. So Gandhi said, and that, and I think that's one of the greatest messages out there is to, yeah, to act as if to be the person that you know is is admirable. You know, to be that person that people can look at and say, "Man, I wish I could be like that." You know, to have that calm nature, you know, to be able to talk about things and to discuss things without screaming and yelling. Yeah. I mean, we don't always get it right. You know, we're still oh, working on ourselves, absolutely. right? But, you know, Trust throw me. a water bottle at somebody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think the, you know, I, I want to mention something really quick. Another thing I thought about as we're talking about this, you know, but, you know, we look when we look at the concept of life's not fair, Right. How many people right. say that life is not fair? Yeah. Jesus is the greatest example of life not fair, right? He took upon himself the punishment that we deserved, right? And God teaches us that an act of something may not seem fair, but will have a purpose beyond our understanding. Even though with him, we obviously do have the understanding, you know, but he didn't deserve it. Right. Well, listen, life's never going to be fair. Yep. It's never going to be fair. Life is what we make of it. 
it's just that's just the bottom line that it comes down to. And I talk a lot about that in my book. You know, if you're going to have neg- if you're going to be negative, your your recovery is going to be negative. You got to get to a place where you're just positive, where you're speaking life into your recovery. You know, because people that are in recovery that are trying to get sober and clean, it's literally starting from all over again, starting from scratch. You know, and so again, you know, I wish everything went away from me overnight, but it didn't. Four months of being in church and then back on drugs again, that was hard, relapsing all the time. I felt like I was never going to get through this, you know, but, but slowly picking up the pieces to my life, you know, and here we are, you know, 11 years later, still, you know, healing, still learning, uh, still recovering, I guess you can say so. Yeah, absolutely. So um, is there anything you want to say real quick that, that we haven't discussed? Um, I would just encourage people, um, if they felt led, um, to, uh, read letters to my people, thoughts of recovering addict. It's not just for those in addiction or those that are in recovery. I've, um, it's been out for two months now and I've, I've gotten a lot of messages from even mothers saying, Hey, like my son's in jail and I just, I've never dealt with any kind of addiction, but I, I wanted to know what my son was going through. And your book really opened a lot of, um, it answered a lot of questions. That's what she said. It answered a lot of questions. You know, I was able to understand my son better. And so again, the book I believe is for everybody. It's a read for everybody, addict or non-addict, even Christian and non-Christian. That's the way I wanted to write it. I didn't want it to be just another, you know, Christian author writing another Christian book. I, I wanted it to help people, Christian or non-Christian. And so uh, it, it is, a, it is a, a book for everybody. But I do want to thank you for having me on your podcast. Like, this is my first podcast interview. Like, I'm excited. Like, yeah. I mean, I've never, I've never done this before. You know, you always, you know, see it on, you know, all the time people doing podcast interviews. But, but this, is, this is my first one. And so I'm, thank you. I'm excited. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. I really appreciate it. And I'll, I'll post up um, where they can locate your book. Um, and uh, obviously, if anybody's in New Mexico, check out his church, Mountain View Church, right? New Mexico. Yeah, I, my, my pastor said once, in very wise words, he said, be careful who you give a microphone to. That's what he said. And so here you are taking a chance on me because you're like, I don't even know this guy. I'm going to give him a microphone. But even we were recording now. I mean, you can delete stuff that you need to delete out. But but still, I mean, thank you for trusting me just to be on here. And uh, my wife, uh, Sasha Torres, she's one of my big um, supporters and love her so much. Been together for 20 years, four kids, you know, three wonderful daughters and a son, Caleb. But uh, thank you for allowing me to be on your show. That's kind, sir. I appreciate it. Hey, I want to thank everybody for tuning in to another episode of High Wall Clean. As I always keep saying, keep getting high. Let's do it.